Alright. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 this evening. This morning, uh, no doubt you had a Mother's Day message. And it's hard to think about mothers without thinking about the word love. There's a greater love than a mother's love. The love of God. Well, a lot's giving me signals here. Alright, let's see if that'll stay off. Okay. <laughs> I love technology. Everywhere I go, they've got a different uh, thing. They hit this button, turn this switch, and press that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, not like it used to be. <laughs> Uh, great song, there's a great song about God's love, and it says, Could we with ink the oceans fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure! How measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Our song, the Christian's theme song, is the love of God. He is truly a God of great love. Where would each of us be tonight were it not for the love of God? Were it not for God's mercy and God's grace, for His great compassion on us? I'm going to tell you, there's not one in here today that does not deserve hell. And I don't apologize for saying that. But we deserve God's wrath, we deserve judgment, and we deserve the devil's hell. But in His love, He sent His Son, Jesus. Amen. He sent a Savior to save us. And tonight we talk about that Savior and that love. We're going to just look at three short stories from the Bible, ones I'm sure you're familiar with, to help us to understand the love of God tonight. And the theme, I believe, that runs through the entirety of Scripture, and especially into the New Testament. As we look at John chapter 17, look with me in verse 22 and verse 23. Here we see Jesus, He's praying. To God the Father, God the Son, praying to God the Father. He's in the upper room there with His disciples. And in verse 22, He says, And the glory which Thou gavest Me, I have given them. That's the glory which came from God the Father to Jesus. And Jesus said, I have given them, the disciples that are there with Him. That they may be one, even as we are one. Pay special attention to verse 23. I am them, and Thou and Me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and hast loved them as Thou hast loved me. Let's pray. Our God, we come to Your Word tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to meet tonight and share the burden you placed on my heart. Lord, for planting churches, for doing Your work. God, for reaching lost souls, for reaching lost people. God, and those that are backslidden, and God, those that are out of fellowship, to lead them back into Your will. And Lord, we just pray tonight as we look into Your Word, that You would touch our hearts. God, be with us and meet with us and help us to do all things to Your glory. And we'll pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 
So here at the end of verse 23, as we see Jesus is praying the, the Lord's Prayer, chapter 17, a great uh, chapter of the Bible, we see here in verse 23 that Jesus says that, uh, that He is in the disciples, the disciples in Him, but I like the last part of that verse is, is helpful to make the point tonight. He said, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me. There came a day when God the Father in heaven had to send God the Son to earth. We call that day Christmas Day. I don't know what God calls it, but that's what we call it. But there came a day when Jesus left heaven. You see, He wasn't created. He didn't start as a baby in a manger. That, that wasn't Jesus' first day on earth. He didn't like, like it was for us. Uh, he didn't even start, you see, uh, in, in the womb. But Jesus had to be sent from heaven. God sent His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God had to send Jesus to do the work that Jesus was called to do. And this portion of Scripture tells us why God the Father would send God the Son. It says in verse 23, And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them. Why would any father give his son for you? I don't think I would give my son for you. You're probably great people, great folks. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're just lovely and sweet and wonderful. But listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to give my son for you. That's my son. My daughter. I love my children more than I love you as much as I would like to love you in brotherly love. But I love my children more. The Bible says that God gave us His Son to die on a cruel cross to deliver Him into the hands of the Roman soldiers to have their way with Jesus. Have you read about what they did to Jesus? We, the time fails for us to go into that. Time and tears. But I'm going to tell you, they abused Him. But God gave His Son so that we would know that He loves us. God sent His Son with a message. God the Father loves you. And so we can see, if we picture in our minds, the day that Jesus was getting ready to leave heaven, to leave the glories of heaven, the worship, the adoration, and all the things that, that He enjoyed in heaven getting ready to humble himself and to be made in the likeness of a man to save sinners such as us. And we can picture on that day God the Father saying, Son, you'll help me love them. Send the message. Son, go tell them how much I love them. And you know Jesus had to want to do that too. Jesus had to want to obey the Father. He had to want to come and to love us. As we look at our second story in the Bible, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And so we know that Jesus left that room with His disciples in John chapter 17. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was arrested. He was tried falsely, by the way. And He was hung on a sinner's cross. 
condemned as a criminal, and died in your place for your sin. He was placed in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose from that tomb. And that's where our next story picks up. On that, that first day that Jesus rose from the grave, the disciples were meeting that evening in a room together. And in verse number 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of Jesus, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You see, God the Father sent God the Son with a message that they would know that I love them. And Jesus is meeting here with the eleven remaining disciples, apostles. And he's there meeting with them. And he gives them a message. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. I remember when I surrendered to ministry. Really wasn't far from here. Um, I was saved and baptized at Galatia Baptist Church right just down the road in Pinecastle. Surrendered to ministry in that same church fellowship. And I thought that the work of a pastor was to preach, to study, and to win souls. That's what I thought the work was supposed to be. And then as I got to doing the work, I realized that the work of a pastor isn't preaching. The work of a pastor, listen, anybody in ministry full time, anybody called into ministry, our work is not to preach. Our work is right here, what Jesus sent these to do. He said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now why did God the Father send God the Son? So that the world would know that God loves them. My job is not just to preach. Now if I have to preach to get my job done, well so be it. But my job is to help the world know that God loves them. That Jesus loves them. And, it, and however I have to do that is how it gets done. And so the thing about it is, while all the rest of the world thinks that pastors just work a couple hours a week, uh, two times on Sunday and once on Wednesday night. You see, what really happens, what people don't see, are the prayers, the heartache, the sleepless nights, the tears, the stress, the discouragement, the loss of finances, loss of family time, the rude comments, the complaints, the physical wounds, the dangerous situations. You see, it's whatever it takes to do the job. These things are unavoidable. And they will never cease until Jesus comes back. They're the marks of ministry. Because God hasn't called us to stand behind a wooden desk and tell people what they're doing wrong. God has called us to help Him love the world. Amen. That's what He's called us to do. And then we look at our final scene in Acts chapter 6. Turn just a few pages over in your Bible to the book of Acts. And you'll find chapter 6. 
We see what God the Father said to God the Son. We saw what Jesus, God the Son, said to the disciples. And now we see what the disciples say to the church. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And so what we have here is we have the church at Jerusalem. I'm going to read more in just a minute. You've got the church at Jerusalem. And they're upset because you've got some, some of the widows in the church have a different cultural background than some of the other widows. Some are Jews, some are non-Jews, but they're saved. Okay? And, and what we mean is some were raised in Israel, some were raised in parts other than Israel. But they all have a similar religion. Their culture is just a little different. And so they're arguing and saying that the Grecian widows aren't getting the same amount of money as the Hebrew widows. And this was a function of the church during the first century. Verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Don't think for a minute that the apostles wanted this problem to exist. It wasn't that the apostles wanted these other widows to somehow be neglected. Was it happening? It might have been. Maybe they were just complaining. But let's just for sake of argument say there was a real problem in this church. I, what's wrong with these first century churches and all the problems they had? I don't understand. I, we've never had a problem. We can't let that in a church like this in our life. <laughs> Not. Churches have problems. They've been having since day one. Churches are made up of people. People aren't perfect. Pastors aren't perfect. Church members aren't perfect. There was a problem here. The widows weren't being treated equally. But it wasn't because the apostles were trying to somehow cheat these Grecian widows out of what was due for them. The problem was the church was asking the apostles, the pastors, to do more than they could. The expectations were too high from the church in Jerusalem. And so these preachers got together and they said, as in verse 2, they called all the church together, the multitude of the disciples, and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Serving tables means they were handing out the money. That's what it means, money changers. The preacher said, listen, we're preachers. We're not bankers. Somebody else in this church needs to get up and volunteer to do the job to take care of the widows because Jesus Christ, when He sat down there with them in that room, in that upper room, after He had resurrected from the dead, showed them the handprints, and I've got handprints in my hands and in my side where the spear went in. And He sat there face to face with these, these apostles and he said, I need you just as the Father sent me, so send I you. He didn't say, go and hand out money at the table to the widows. 
That's not the preacher's job. Sure, it's the church's job. Sure, somebody had to do it. But certainly we could find somebody who would give a little bit of their time and life in order to help the church do what the church was called to do so that the preacher could do what the preacher was called to do. These apostles call the church together. They say, we're going to do what Jesus told us to do. We're going to preach the word. We're going to go after lost folks. We're going to do the ministry that God called us to do. And they said, look out among you seven men of honor support, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. You know what the apostles were saying to the church? The same thing God the Father said to God the Son. The same thing Jesus told the disciples. Help me love them. Help me to do what I want to do, but I'm too limited to do on my own. It takes everybody in the church to do the work that God has called us to do. It takes us all So tonight, I have a favor to ask you. Somewhat of a selfish agenda. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful for the opportunity to worship Jesus tonight. I can think of no better thing for us to do than to lift the name of Christ and to say, thank you, Lord, for saving a wretch like me. Amen. But I want to ask you something else tonight. Help me love the people of Sarasota. God's called me to a ministry. A ministry to start new churches in the state of Florida. A ministry... To tell people who have never heard. Say we live in America. You go ask your neighbors what they have to do to get to heaven. Ask them if they know. And you will get a different answer from every person you ask. Yes, we live in America. We live in a country full of people who do not know that God sent His Son to pay their sin debt for them. God's called me, and I, I know He's going to call others. I believe He will. And calling churches to partner with us to help tell others they don't have to die and go to hell. God sent us to save them. And I'm asking churches like yours to help me do that very thing. 